welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. We're back. Season five. Good evening, everyone. My name is C.J. Reynolds, and this is, uh, this is our show, uh, Sunday Night Teacher Talk. And the idea behind this is to help educators become the teachers that they are called to be. And the reason we have this on Sunday night is because Sunday night is often the most uh, anxiety-ridden night of the week for educators. So we believe that teaching is a communal activity. So we meet together on Sundays. And, and, and here's the, the hope. The hope is that people will bring their wisdom and their questions to this. Because this is, although it's my my channel on here on YouTube and, and my profile here on Facebook, this is not just me. There are tons of people in the comment section from all over the world, from all levels of experience, from college and high school students on up to principals and vice principals and sort of everywhere in between. There are all grade levels from, and like I said, people from all over the world. So the idea here is that um, you put a question into the chat. Nothing is too big or too small. You ask it and then you will not just get an answer from me, but you will get an answer from who knows who in the comment section. Um, so just know that this is like, it is a safe space to explore and express and, and kind of look at um, this crazy thing that we got into called education. So with that, um, if people wanna be live with me, you can follow the link in the description area below. But if you just wanna ask a question, just put the word question or the word Q in the comment section. Um, and we'll we'll get to your question. So we're we're slightly shorthanded this week. Um, the legendary Edie is not with us. She is sick. So it is myself and the not so secret wife. Um, if you're new here, if you're new here, I'm going to tell you this. My wife doesn't like being on camera, so she is sneakily on the side, and she does this every once in a while. So if you're wondering, um, am I a narcissist? Possibly, but uh, that's not the only reason <laughs> that I'm the only one on the screen right now. Um, so while you're getting set up, I think, you know, what's the little, there's a wrench next to the people's names in the comment section, right? There are. There are little wrenches next to anybody who is, and right now it's just Chris Carson, because like you said, we're also short two other moderators, and oh, yeah. I think one might show up. Uh, Tracy Pinter is usually here as well. Um, but if you see a little wrench, you can direct any questions on how the show runs or what you might need. Yeah. Or, or if you miss something. If you need anything. You can basically, Chris Carson's your guy. Yep. tonight there's other folks in there that have just been around and there's no pressure here chris well. there's no pressure here you know but you're the only guy you're have. the guy chris <laughs> um laura green's at some kind of family engagement yeah uh so laura nice. i think this would be a good time for your family to gather around the nearest tv or cell phone and uh engage in the program they could uh see what we're doing here Everybody's Sounds saying uh, happy five years to us. Yes. So this is our fifth season of Sunday Night Teacher Talk. Is it our fifth year on YouTube? Did today channel, today it... marks the the fifth year that we – five years ago we created this channel on mm -hmm. this day, Um, which is crazy. It is. Because all of the stuff that has happened. Like I kind of so want to do a video on like – for like, hey, if you're thinking about starting a YouTube channel – this is what's happened in five years, and we're not even, we're not even, like, look, I'm a 44-year-old dude that is doing YouTube, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not young and cute, and I haven't been cool since 95, so it's like, I, I just think that there's something there. So, yeah. 
But so what you got, buddy? Let's no get back in the questions. Oh, no oh questions. people are just catching up. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to ask everyone a question, but I didn't want to flood the comment section. You can go for it today. Okay. All right. I'm really wondering if you could, even if you never comment, if you never talk in the channel, if you would just put in the comment section, I'm real curious to know um, what year will this be in education for you? So, or maybe you're still in high school or, or you're in college now and you're not taught yet, and that's fine. Uh, you can put that in there too. But what year in education is this for you? So I'm going into my 16th year this year of teaching. Um, and that doesn't count. I did half, student teaching was half a year in Jersey. And then I taught the other half of the year in Africa, but I don't count that as part of my teaching equation because teaching in Zambia and South Central Africa was like completely unrelatable to how I teach and how I educate here. Um, if I went back, it's probably a lot similar, but I just was like too new. Like I didn't, I didn't even know really what I was doing back then. Um, I see year two, 16th year in high school. All right, Good work. Right there with you. Um, 14 years, year sixth two. year, fifth year. Year two. Freckles, I feel like you're in t year 10. I feel like you've been on here for longer than two years. I feel like uh, she was in here before she started teaching. Oh. She was a part of Little Space Freckles has been, she's a straight OG. I feel like she's been around for five years. Uh, yeah. I feel like she was here when we were on You Now. Were you here oh, when we were on You, you Now? Bam, that was some stuff there. Uh, John Lopez, 29 years. You're John Lopez so has you beat. <laughs> Mrs. CJ, not to be confused with the Mrs. CJ year 16. Um, awesome. Carson's going on year 14. What? All right. He just started like no. five minutes ago. He had like seven lives before this. <gasps> so did John um, Lopez. <laughs> this is my first year. Trent, good luck, Trent. So um, glad you're here and you found us. Uh, this will be my first year. Heather said she just completed teacher training. She said you helped uh, her through more than you know. So thank I, you very I much. I appreciate that. I'll tell you what's real weird. Um, talking to someone at my school. If you have questions, go ahead and put them in there. I'm just going to talk for just a second. Um, I have a friend at school that uh, was new two years ago. I don't know. We've been, look, come on. We've been basically living the same day over and over again for a, a year and a half. But uh, they said that they're in a, a master's program at the University of Pennsylvania. And um, they were, th their classmates knew who I was because they've all been watching my videos in class. And I'm like, bro, can I get like a, like, why don't you just bring your boy to your college instead of just, just watching the free content? You know, kids got to eat. Uh, they eat more than ever these days. Um, I'm, I'm assuming Brody just got picked up yep. for the pool. Cool. Um, well, look, I, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I love that, like, there's so, there's so much diversity in here with regards to, like, how, how many years people have been teaching. Um, and, you know, I think part of what we're doing here. Uh, the folks that like, so Seth Godin says, people like us do things like this. Um, and I think that the importance of that is that the pe people like us, like people that are people that look that it's July 11th and you're looking at things that are part of your teaching world, um, are 
is interesting. Those are the people that are in the Facebook group. Those are the people that are learning during the summer. And so to constantly be learning, I think that, you know, for those of you that are getting into your first year, it's that constant learning. It's that humbleness to like always be the student that is so important when you start becoming an educator. Uh, it, there, it, it is, you're, you're never like, you never get to a point and this can be, this can be daunting, right? No one told me this in the beginning. I had the sense that three, maybe five years in, if it took that long, you were on lock. Your lessons were in place. Your, your classroom management was in place. The way you were going to do things was in place. And that couldn't be further from the truth. What I'm doing now in some regards is so wildly different than the way that I did things when I first started teaching. And that to me is like, um, now I, I, you, you just kind of rest in the change, right? So like this year, coming back this year, we have a new principal, we'll have a new vice principal, there's a new dean, there's a new CEO to the school, that, like tons of new teachers. It is, there's a lot of newness. And so I don't even know if the way I did things before is going to fit into the new model, right? So like, I'm not sure what that's going to really look like. And that's something that, you know, is, is, a, gives me a little bit of anxiety, but gives me some excitement. And um, so like, you're never, you never get into this place where you can just like, you know, that if you really want to be a really deeply effective teacher, um, I don't think you get into this place where you can like, sort of like rest on your laurels, as some people say, you know, I don't even know what laurels are, but uh, <laughs> I live near Mount Laurel. And so I don't know if that's maybe there. That's where people came up with it at Mount Laurel, just so they could be a part of the saying. So what you got, dude? There is a question from Erica. Splendid. She's asking, how was your time away from YouTube Live's been? Um, you know, YouTube Live is such, it's only an hour or so a week, right? So like we usually work like an, about an hour ahead of time to get things dialed in, set up lights and and, and to make sure things are, are working correctly. Uh, and then it's, I mean, it's basically an hour. Sometimes we go longer than that, but that hour in the middle of a Sunday can start feeling like it's a real responsibility, right? So like you think about like, I gotta like, I gotta like put on clothes. I'm not just like in the yard or like sitting on the couch or chilling. I've been working on a puzzle lately. Um, I gotta like get myself together. I have to get my mind together. So I can't go from like some kind of like teen, we're dealing with, we're dealing with a lot of teenage stuff these days. I got an 11 year old who's about to be 12 and a 13 year old that's about to be 14. There's a lot of hormones in the house. You can't go from hormone world to coming on here and like, you know, doing, doing this. And so I, it's been that all that to say, it's been nice to have the break to not have to put the, the mental, any, any mental, mental capacity game. there. Uh, especially after this year, it's been really nice. And so my Sundays are basically like, you know, we're still watching church online. Um, we're not back yet, but then, having the the sense of having the rest of the day off is just really nice. It's a nice feeling. Although um, when we like two weeks ago, we were like, yo, we're back in two weeks or even a week ago. I was like, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm ready to go back. Like I'm, I'm excited to talk about things to get excited about things. It's sort of like the end of the summer. Like I I'm very rarely not ready for school to go back. Um, and that's because like, I just, I like, I know how much it gives me too, right? This isn't just a giving thing. It just, it fills me up. So that too. What you got, buddy? 
um, John Laundries is, or uh, not Laundries. John Laundries. I know a John Laundries, but this is John Lopez. John Lopez is asking, what will be your analog this year after having experiencing so much digital this year? I think the analog for me always and forever is the way I build relationships. Um, they can't just be built through playing video games with kids and talking online and stuff like that has to be through like getting like it, it, I, I talk, I, I have, I have a whole chapter in my book, teach your class off about this. Um, but I have this, this chapter called teach like a DJ. And when you teach like a DJ, what that means is DJs have to read the room. There's a reason you don't play a playlist at your wedding if you want to have a jamming dance session at your wedding, which is really, I mean, look, if we get down to it, wedding receptions are really one thing. They are prom for adults. And so you show up and if you want to have it, the DJ can read the room and see if a song left people going to the bar or the bathroom or to get something to eat. They can see if a song brought everybody onto the floor and now it's bumping. Um, and so they know how to read the room and feel things out to keep things at a very high uh, energy level. And so when you are teaching online, you can't read that. Like, so even if you are, um, even if all your kids are on camera, it's very hard to kind of read body language, to read if someone's slumping, to read um, someone's eye contact with you, excuse me. Um, so those sorts of things. Uh, I went out to lunch yesterday with some folks I've only ever met online and that, that are a part of this, uh, this course that I'm taking online. And so to meet them in real life, to see them three-dimensionally, like to see how tall people are, to see um, how, like, how they carry themselves when they walk into a room. This is all stuff that I use in class to, to read the room and to redirect how we're doing things, to bring things up, to bring things down um, and to teach like a DJ. So I think that that's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to. Um, and plus great grading on the computer sucks. It's like, it just takes so much longer than doing it on paper and you're the only one that can do it. You know, tons of my grading is done by other students that I just don't ever grade. Like I grade 40% of the work that I hand out, if that, maybe 35, 30%. Like I just have it dialed in where I have like, like teaching assistants do it for me, um, which are like older kids that come back and sit in my room and then they do free work for me. They're basically interns, which is awesome. Um, yeah. For another question? Yeah, I am. Okay. Kim is asking, my school is year round. We have open house tomorrow and first day of school on Tuesday. I'm so not ready, but trying to get pumped. Any advice? Oh, gosh, do I have advice? Um, I, so I would say, Kim, first of all, I have uh, two videos, um, three videos that I think I would look at. Um, I don't know that I've ever done an open house, but I've done parent-teacher conference videos. So if you go on to, uh, it has to be on a computer is the only way you can search a channel. So you go onto my YouTube channel, you go to the little magnifying glass at the top, and search um, uh, teacher parent-teacher conferences or parent-teacher meetings, and a video will come up for that. It's like five tips. Then I have one that if you go on and you also search first day or second day of school, I have what I do on my first and second day of school. And they're in-depth enough, but not super in-depth, but like enough to kind of get you started. So I would say 
the thing that I communicate to parents and to students on the first day is not rules. It is not procedures. It is not uh, just a questionnaire or I don't do, um, I don't do like, uh, like get to know you activities or icebreakers or something like that. There's nothing wrong with any of that, right? Like, here's the one thing there. It's like Reese's. There's no one way to eat a Reese's. There's no one way to start the school year. My friends at school, some of my, my best friends are, they just like hard acid at the beginning of the year. They're just like, yo, I don't play. I will not smile till Christmas. I might not smile till next Christmas. Um, but my friend Cho is like just super. It's authentic. To her. She's authentic. That is who she is. Even when she comes over to my house, she's like, Miles, I don't play. And I'm like, well, that's all I do. So we're Bert and Ernie all of a sudden. And it's the best. But for me, it's about as soon as that door closes. So first of all, you're, I'll give you the quick rundown. You are where kids are at the beginning of the day saying hello. Don't wait for them to come to your classroom. You're then at your door greeting every single child that comes in. Every single kid needs to know they're seen. And so then kids sit wherever they want on the first day in my class. And then my main job is two things. One, to let you know that I am excited that you are here or that your child is here. And two, I love teaching. And now look, there's, I think there's a reason people don't do that. One, because they think that they are going to like, that excitement is somehow going to turn into excitement for kids, which is like, they're going to lose their minds and that you're going to have a crazy room. Um, two, they, they really, really, really think kids are going to m- misinterpret their kindness for weakness. And I'm not, I'm not a fool. I'm not playing games here. Like I'm taking this seriously, but I take it like it's going to be serious fun also. And then I think that folks um, forget that most of school isn't exciting. Most of school's not fun at all, right? Like, so especially after certain grade levels, it's kind of a drag. And if you see the way that like elementary school teachers get excited for the year, what their classrooms look like with all the stuff and we have activities and we're doing things and we're moving around. Then when you get to high school, it's like, schools look like uh they look like insane asylums from like the 1920s where it's just like white walls and like nothing in there and the guy talks like the guy from ferris bueller so just letting people know you're excited um is a game changer for students and so that's what i talk about what my my first day is basically the movie trailer for the rest of the year. Here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. This is the kind of stuff we're working on. These are the kind of books we're reading. And I love reading. So I want you to love reading too. So these are the things we're willing to, we're going to do. And I have a whole slideshow. And I actually thought about making a movie trailer for this year too, of like the last 16 years of teaching and all the places we've gone and the things that we've done to build that excitement. Um, That's what I'm looking at. And I think Students will love that, but I think parents really love that too because they all sit in the same room, listen to the same people talk like this over and over and over again every year and talk about how important this year is, especially for your you know, um, college development and to be successful in this life and to be happy like me, um, you have to do all of these things. And I'm saying, nope, have like make it a party. That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah. And I also think that parents would love to hear that because they just don't hear anything from their kids. like. Our kids told no. us nothing when they were in school. No. Nothing. How was today? Sorry. It's good. good. It's good. Like, and then you find <laughs> out like, happen? 
then you find out it was like amazing and like what the cool stuff they did because their friend tells you but like the, your own child doesn't tell you um all right our next question is coming from Janice she's asking are you going back to shaking everyone's hand as they enter your room or are you going to opt for something more distance or non-contact option I think this is a very good question it's when your hand on a stick becomes I Yes. I told CJ that we should make mini hands on the stick for people to use as like. Yeah. Not sure if that's a selling point. Not sure if people, I mean, you <laughs> could let me know if that's interesting, but so I, friendly hand so high for those of you that don't know, I shake everybody's hand. Um, and I shake everyone's hand in the hallway. I shake everyone's hand at my door. I think it's a sign of respect. And so this year going back, will I shake everyone's hand? Here's my thought of that. Me contracting something has never been a concern, right? Kids are gross. Like they don't wash their hands when they go to the bathroom. I know because I hear them come out of the bathroom. I'm like, I didn't hear no, I didn't hear one sink. I didn't hear a sink. I didn't hear some soap coming out. I didn't hear the air blower, which apparently the air blowers are really disgusting too because they uh, suck up the air from the floor. So it's all poop and pee particles, everyone. Sucking up into the air thing, shooting it out onto your clean hands. So don't use those things anymore. Um <laughs> But kids are just gross, right? They scratch themselves, pick their ear. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but they're disgusting. Um, I shake their hands anyway because it's a sign of respect, and I can just go wash my hands or use hand sanitizer. My concern would be that I wouldn't want to pass that on to the next person, to the next person, the next person, and I don't want to sanitize my hand in between each shake. So um, I'm not sure how I'm going to do that yet. I think the... I think I want to just have hand sanitizer. But wait, the idea that you are going to like, that everybody's germs are contained to themselves anyway. So the idea that you're like, oh, I don't want to spread like the high five germs to everybody. Yeah. I get it. But in a classroom, that's the whole reason people weren't in classrooms. It's because it's just impossible to not. Yeah have all the germs like it's just not it's just not gonna work either you're you know don't worry about it or worry about it i think at least for me personally that's how i, I think here's what i think don't touch your i wouldn't your do eyes, it on the first nose, day your mouth like you're good maybe i don't do it on the first day and i let everyone know look this is how i this is how i roll like yeah if you want um to and if you if you don't want to do it there's no disrespect i got it like it is i, I get we're in curious times here and people are still like a nervous and yes. many people for good reason sure. um so yeah but i mean they're all alternatives i have a lot of gloves up here i'm looking at that are like i have a, a gorilla hand i have a robot hand i have a, have a lobster glove um yeah or i could just get ken to do it um so for those of oh, you that don't yes. know uh, I have a mannequin now, a mannequin that's going to, um, he's going to be my teaching assistant this year and, uh, I will just dress him in a suit and he will stand in the corner and that's how, the, that's who the kids will ask if they need help. Did you lose it? Yes. <clears throat> though. Cool. Jenny is next. She's asking fourth year in the classroom, but first year being the real teacher. Love it. What are some of the best free resources out there? I'll be teaching health, consumer ed and success. I th so here's what I would ask. So, what's, a class um, of success? what's that? Is that a class? Dude, I, first of all, there should be. I think right. it would be awesome to have. It's better than a class on failure. Um, <laughs> but like, but right, like I, when my dudes come back, they're like, there were life skills they wish they had learned in school. But they're like, what's yo, that? I didn't, I didn't know anything about financial management when I got to college. I didn't know they didn't know about like credit cards. 
um, and how that whole, yeah. you know, ordeal works. Um, so I would say this, uh, free resources. I would love if anyone that teaches any of those classes um, could put, could tell Jenny in the comment section, like, where do you get your free resources? For me, um, New York Times is a huge one for me. I use New York Times all the time. Uh, I think that Scholastic is a good resource. Um, there is a paid version of that, and I have partnered with them in, in, in the past. It's not a paid advertisement, but Scholastic always has great stuff, and they often have free stuff on there as well. Um, I like, uh, I used to use teachers.net, um, which is Harry Wong's site. It's a little dated now, but there's still good stuff on there. And, um, who else did I use last year? There was another site that I really dug into to get free content. Um, I, I'm going to forget, but I find that putting the words great before basically anything great, uh, health class lesson, great consumer ed lesson stuff's going to pop up. Uh, so that's, that's generally where I get most of my, my stuff from is like just scouring the internet. And then I, to me, it's always been about pulling these resources and then I never teach anything exactly the way someone gives it to me. I always like, will use it. Uh, but I use it in a way where like, um, I will pull this from this and this, from this, and this, from this, and this, from this, and then I put it all together. And then I, that's, that's how I roll out. So that, that's kind of how I look at, um, how, where I'm finding free resources and then how I use them as well. I skipped good old piano boy. Oh, my buddy. Uh, he's asking. Look how, he looks so old in that profile picture. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> what teaching supply slash item could you not live without? Oh, man. Um, I love new expo markers on a level. Like, my whiteboard is the cleanest whiteboard in, in America, I think. Um, I don't know about other countries. Mm -hmm. I don't know what your whiteboard situations are. But, like, I clean it thoroughly every day like on the borders on the ledge you don't get any of that that crap on the ledge in my room it's like crystal clear and then to write on a clean whiteboard with a brand new expo marker gives me such deep joy that i won't even talk to people while i'm doing it so kids are trying to like talk to me about something like bro i can only do one thing right now and right now i am writing on my whiteboard with some black expo marker um that's one I think also keeping, uh, this is a tip I give all the time, finding a ream of paper, a pack of paper and hiding it in your room is like one of the number one tips for new teachers. Because someday this year, you're going to need to make copies because there's a test and you told the kids about it and you build it up and it was a big, big deal. And then they're going to run out of paper in the office and you're going to be like, bam, still going on. And the kids are going to be like, oh, I guess there's no test today. And you're like, no, suckers, there is a test today because I had this thing in my bottom drawer. And then you pop that thing out and it's game on. So that, um, and I really, really love uh, my favorite pen in the world are zebra pens, but this version, right? So this zebra pen right here, uh, I get the fine point ones. They pull out and then you put it back into itself and there's your pen. So the thing I love about this is it's not the clicky thing. So you, you don't get ink on your shirt ever. And I use it as a tie clip. So like I'll put it in my tie and then that's my tie clip for the day is that little sucker right there. Um, and it looks handsome. 
when, when you do that. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to up your handsome level. Get a tie clip. A zebra pen tie clip? Zebra pen tie clips. All right, Stephanie Stephanie's, uh, wants to come on with you. Got it. She's in there hanging out. Get ready. Don't be in the middle of blowing your nose or something. I, it can I, be, I already texted it can make her. make it awkward. So. Hey, guys. What's hey up, guys. Dude? How are you? I'm good. Long time. No see for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I'm so sorry I'm late. I was listening hands-free for a little bit because I didn't realize that I was outside edging for like four hours. So um, it's going to hurt later. Oh. Whoa, bro, you're going to be hurting tomorrow. Yes, yes, I am. Um, so as soon as I'm done with you guys, I'm, I'm alloying up and icing and everything like that. So, oh yay. Ouch. It needed it. It needed it. My kids were some, but uh, it was bad. I love edge. Edging gives me such deep, deep joy. Uh, that I just, that and mowing my lawn. So lawn. much so that he watches a YouTube channel. That's a Dude. guy that just does lawn work and like edging, like, well, you know, if you ever get bored, feel free to come on over and do mine. <laughs> I love, I like see people's edging sometimes and I'm like, I wish I could just show up at your house. Or just walking around town. Like there are certain blocks or certain houses. Especially when like grass is like this far over CJ the sidewalk. And I'm like, wants oh, to man. come over and just, you really should just go do it. People would think. I'm You're crazy, but like, they would who's be this man out there? So oh, yeah, I'm trying to get my garden started, and I know you like that. So I do. I my jam. It is my favorite thing in the world. So what's going on? So I wanted to ask everybody else. I know you aren't teaching summer school right now, but um, as a first year teacher, I was a glutton for punishment and took summer school because it was at my school site this year. So I wanted to see for those of you who do teach summer school. What do you do to rest and reset? Because I literally have a week between summer school and in-service week. Yeah. Uh, so I taught summer school for years and then tutored outside of that also. And because, uh, I, I mean, largely, I always liked summer school and I felt like it paid better than like if I worked at, I don't know, like Home Depot or mowing lawns or something. For sure. like that. Um, so for me, it is it is one setting things up ahead of time. So I think that th that rest should be restorative, that it's not just something, it's not just sitting on the couch and watching TV, right? It's, it's actually doing things that are going to like recuperate your body and that are going to fill you back up. So, you know, and then, and then it gets into a, a, a question of money too, but there's a million free things you could do too. Right. So like for me, uh, massages are deeply, like that, that's something I love to do as often as I can. Um, and you can even go to like, if you go to like, uh, and I have no affiliation with this company at all, but like hand in stone or like they're everywhere and they're really cheap if it's the first time you ever went there. And so I just find the person that everyone loves, uh, that's all booked up. And then I just pick that person because everybody's got to be going to you for a reason. Um, I find that getting out of my house is really good. So we went back to the movies this week for the first time ever on, on Thursday, we went and saw Black Widow and uh, I forgot how much I love going to the movies. It's just the best. Like you're, you're out of the house, you're zoned in a hundred percent to something else. Cause you just paid $50 for all four of you to go in the middle of the day. And it's like, oh, that's investment, so we're not on our phones. Um, like those sorts of things, being in nature is really big for us. Like going to the shore or going to the woods. Uh, so in Jersey, we call it going to the shore, but um, it's, like doing, getting out and purposefully doing things that are helping you to recuperate. And then I, for me, it's also getting enough sleep. Um, I used to 
pride myself on getting four to five to six hours of sleep a night mm -hmm. and I'm an eight hour dude anymore. So it's like that, those things Finally. actually, <laughs> they actually fill you back up more than, um, just watching TV. Cause I find that when I'm in my house, I just start doing house stuff or, or mm -hmm. I see stuff that needs to get done and I'm laying on the couch. I'm like, but I gotta do that. Or I gotta do this, or I could be doing this being out of your house. You're not reminded of any of that stuff. So that's, that's, you know, the cheapish version of the Reynolds thing. And then there, like I said, you can scale that and do cryotherapy and uh, all kinds we of, do other a lot of little trips, like little free we trips. So like our local library does a lot of like free things that you can borrow. It's not just books. They have like little memberships to local things yeah. um, around us. And so we do a lot of those things. It's just, I think it's just, like taking a break and staying away from the thing. It's so easy to jump probably back into planning or those sort of things. But I think it's really about stepping away to yeah. give your brain the time to rest. Yeah. It's, it's removing yourself from it, right? Mm -hmm. Just like when you want to eat better, just don't have the crap in your house. Yeah, exactly. And then it's harder to eat bad when like, but when Marley made a brownies yesterday, it was like, yo, I was hundred percent eating a brownie. And then I ate one today for breakfast. <laughs> it was there and was staring. There's there's protein in brownies. Yeah, that's what we should just sprinkle some of that protein oh, powder in yeah. there. Put a little collagen in there. Bam, good us. So <laughs> your, your skin looks so good. Yeah, I've been eating brownies, <laughs> collagen brownies. So, so all right, cool. cool. Well, thank well, you guys. My I best appreciate stuff. it. I hope that it goes well, and I hope thank that you your know. your transition back to uh to to school yeah. is good. I I'm I'm praying. Because it's it's been a tough summer so far. It, it is, but that's not always indicative of what the school year will be, too. Because um, I mean, look, you're in school with summer school kids. Those kids are there for they're not there for uh, you know, want to be here. Enhancement. They're there because they're just like, oh god, this is what we're doing here. So yeah, you know, it's like so you yeah. are mindful of your audience, but and I'm, still, uh, I'm still getting the same problem that we had during the school year. Even though these kids are now face to face, they're still just not doing the work. And yeah. um, I almost made a kid cry the other day because I asked her to move over one seat, still socially distanced, to talk to someone else. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, we we have to talk to each other. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, we're going to be digging out of this for years, I think, out of this COVID kind of mindset for years, but yeah. uh, I don't know, but I can, I, I don't, I think we still make the best out of it. I think that's the only way to kind of go ahead of it is like to be like, nope, this, this does not decide how I feel or who I am or how I'm going to roll. It just doesn't, it doesn't get the power to do it. And then I just decide that and then I'm better off for it. So, yeah, but Mine look. Enjoy your week off and enjoy your aloe. Thank you very much. All right, dude. Bye. 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 Cool. All right. Our What's next up? question is from Little Space Sparkles. My buddy. Look at, can we just take a moment and appreciate her picture? It's fantastic. She's asking, I'm looking at teaching Lord of the Flies and Macbeth this year for my 10th and 11th graders. Are there any exciting, uncanny, get up out of your seat activities uh, to do with the kids? Yes, there are. So one of the moves I'll tell you on the front end, I don't know that it will be right. I don't know when you're teaching it. One of our moves this year is to create curriculum for all of the, all of the things that I teach. Um, and then some of those, so like Lord of the Flies, like here's my unit. Here's what I actually do day in and day out. This is what this looks like. And then having students um, like 
your like teachers be able to like have a sense of like this is what a Reynolds lesson looks like. Um, for Lord of the Flies, I do a lot. I do and a couple of the quick things I do is a lot of students I find have spatial awareness issues. So thinking about the island and where things are on the island. So where's like uh, Castle Rock versus where's the pig's head? Where did they crash? Where's the platform? Where's the beach? Where are the huts? Where are the boys swimming? Where is Simon going in, in the woods and, and getting lost and having weird visions and stuff like that? Um, where's all this happening? So what we did was about halfway, maybe third of the way through the book, I had the students, everyone got um, a Lego square, like one of these gigs. It's about this big. I think they're 12 inches by 12 inches. And they were assigned a part of the island. So you're in charge of the plane crash. Your group's going to work on that. Your group's going to work on this. Your group's going to work on this. And then we put those all together and we created an island out of Legos so that we had something to, to look at. Uh, there is a free version of the play for Lord of the Flies online. The whole thing's not good, but it is a good thing to do every so often so that like maybe some of it, when there's an argument between two people, when there's like a like a funny moment that's happening, it's sometimes fun to read the play uh, as a class together instead of like just reading silently or reading in groups in class. Because then you can layer music on top of that and stuff like that. We also... Um, something I've done a little bit in the past, but I really, really want to get into is, um, the idea of like having students have to like team build in some capacity, right? So like, what does this look like when we're on the side of the school and there's like supplies you could build forts with, but like, can you build forts? Like, let's see, let's see like what you all can do together with no instructions and there's a tarp and some sticks and some string and some scissors and some rope and like how are you going to create this i used to do this thing in school called the trash and show uh which was along the same lines it was like magazines and tinfoil and recyclables and string and duct tape and all this stuff and then kids had to come up with some kind of like fashion like like outfit and then we had a runway show at the end of it to see like, what can you make out of nothing? And so getting kids in that space too. Um, those are a couple. And then I always do an imagery thing in the beginning where I always use the same poem because I love it every year and the kids always love it. So a poem called A Finger, Two Dots, Then Me by Derek Brown. He's a friend. Um, and the video for that is really great, but the poem is so good. And it's so filled with really great imagery that had the students lay on the floor in the classroom. And then as they're laying there, uh, so you don't have to, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, you can sit at your desk. Everyone has to have their eyes closed. And then what I want you to do is just sit there and sort of meditate on this poem and think about what is being said so that when, when you're doing that, when you're done, we talk about like what imagery was conjured up in your head through the words, right? So this all this was someone saying something that was creating this picture in your head and what that picture look like and that's kind of like our intro into imagery and stuff um Macbeth tons of stuff I mean like I I'm trying to think of when I did Macbeth what I did but I find that reading Shakespeare aloud my students don't read any of so we do Merchant of Venice but even when we did Macbeth they don't read any of it alone we read the whole thing together 
and then someone's in charge of, so sometimes we're acting it out. Sometimes they come into my classroom and it's set up in a particular way where we're gonna read this together and act it out. Sometimes there's props. Sometimes there's someone in charge of sound effects. Sometimes there's someone in charge of uh, the direction and things of that nature. So, and we always read in a circle when we read Shakespeare um, so that we're all looking at one another too. Uh, just to know, I could go on and on about that. Um, she drew her little profile picture. And and if I said, "What's a? I need to animate a character that looks like Little Space Freckles." That's exactly like I go. Yes, I know it's fantastic. That's Great it. job on that. This. Okay, our next question is coming from Trent. Trent is going to be a first year teacher. I mm. saw him say earlier as well. Yeah. Um. So I was lucky enough to get hired at a very in a very diverse school devoted to global studies. There are 22 different languages spoken at the school. What are some tips on working with ESL and ELL students? Uh, I, you know, when, I mean, that's, that's huge. Uh, I saw someone of, replied back to him um, on Facebook and they said pictures and labels for everything. I thought that's a good idea. Pictures that is a really good universal. idea. I, and that's a very good practical tip. Yeah. Um, I always go social emotional first, but that's a really good, that that's a good tip. So, I, and if anyone else has anything, like, please put it in there. But to me, it is, um, when I taught students, when I taught in Camden, New Jersey, for my first five years of teaching, there were a lot of students that came from Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Haiti, Mexico, and they might know some English, but it definitely wasn't their strong student. Some students didn't know almost any English. To me, it was, really, really, I didn't want kids to just, I didn't want to just say that, um, that I would take my time or that you could ask any question you wanted. I made it, I made it evident. So I didn't want anyone to ever feel dumb. I didn't want anyone to ever feel less than I didn't want ever anyone to ever feel like I was getting frustrated or I didn't have enough time or I was trying to hurry up. It was, it was working on a level of patience where it's like, I will say this 50 times if I need to and explain it in a dozen different ways so that you can grasp the concept or that you can grow or that I can meet you where you are trying to help you to come up. So, and I took that as far as like trying to learn some Spanish, trying to learn enough Spanish that was either funny or that was, um, that kids, I would surprise kids or that, uh, I could like, sometimes it was like working with, um, another student. So if I had a student who was um, from Puerto Rico that didn't speak um, English well, uh, they, maybe they had another friend that was from Puerto Rico also. And so they had like, they were already connected. So the two of them would come in for tutoring and one student would help me explain it to the other student so we could do that. And that those times were like a party. Um, there's a theme in my life here, right? So I, I like parties, but it is having folks come after school and we're putting on music, we're eating food together, we're working through, you know, different concepts and literature and stuff like that. So that it's this thing that we're doing um, that really helps too. having a whole bunch of students. Like I'd have like all of my like Dominican students would come in after school, like one day a week and they're talking Spanish, like 90% of the time. I don't even know what the hell is going on, but they're working things out with one another. You're creating that safe space for you to be who you are. And then I am when needed helping to facilitate some of the things that are going on. So I think that that's huge. Um, and then getting, 
things that fit students. So like ordering, like I ordered the Odyssey. Uh, so like when we did things like read the Odyssey, that's a really heavy text. So I ordered the graphic novel of it so that you could have the image matched with the words and then letting kids know that like, this doesn't mean you're like, it's this real hardcore thing that like, you're not dumb. You're not less than you're not an outsider. You are, you are learning what you're learning. Um, and we're moving with you. And so that, I just think that that's so important, especially when you're a kid. Um, it's, it's tough. And so like me in high school, when kids can't read in ninth grade, they feel stupid. They feel less than. And so it's like working with kids and helping them to not feel that way is, is really important. What you got, dude? Chris Carson has a question. My it's man. A unique one. It's not really education based. Oh, Let's well, you know, an we, we'll take anything. <laughs> okay. Chris is saying, I have a bathroom tile board thing and it's so hard to clean. It almost never comes off. Any ideas on how to refurbish? A bathroom tile? I want to say it's like, do you remember in, in Home Depot? We we both used to work at Home Depot, so we, we know all these products. The It's like a one-piece thing. Oh, I yeah. Think. It's like a whiteboard. I don't think you can refurbish it. I think you can replace it, and I bet they're probably just really hard. To, I also like cleaned houses for a bit, too. Yeah. Um, I thought about creating my own business in house cleaning because I'm a weird person and I kind of like to clean. Uh, not nowadays because everybody's stinking messy all the time, but <laughs> I can never keep up with it. But cleaning. Do you like cleaning? You. I like edging. You know, I know. We're weird. We're we are weird people. Um, cleaning tip though, if you use like a bar of soap versus soft soap, like in the little container, you know, that you squeeze out, yeah. um, they bar soap actually creates a lot more soap scum in your shower, which is a lot harder to clean off. And a magic eraser is one of the things that I found that cleans that really That's well. A, that is good. Um, what about orange oil? No. You don't want to use that to For clean soap something? Scum? No. no, no, no. To clean like a whiteboard. He doesn't have soap scum on it. I, I assumed he was using it in school. Oh, I had no idea. It's a bathroom thing. Oh. I thought it was a bathroom. Oh, because I'm thinking like in on whiteboards in school, people ruin them. Um, oh, a is lot that of times they use that product for oh, in classrooms. Heck yeah, man! <gasps> I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Chris so, uh, so I don't know. It could go either way. I mean, Chris has my number. Can you refurbish that? Is it refurbished? Not to my that? knowledge. I would not. But know. it is. It's on the front end. Like if you replace it, it's like people will often use like Windex instead of like Expo marker cleaner. Um, but it's far more abrasive. And so sometimes you're almost stripping the film off of the board. And then when you try to erase later, you can't erase it. So you want to make sure you're only using those approved products to remove like uh, black, like uh, that even Expo work? marker. But is that product made for that? Like the Home Depot-y product, like the, the, the bathroom thing, is it meant to be no. used as a No, of course thing? not. It's used. I know. So is there bathroom. anything that you can use on it that's not going to take the I would use Expo Walker cleaner. This um, is yep. Or you can use the orange cleaner. That I orange cleaner is like, bro, you can clean. I'm pretty sure that'll take a tattoo off your body. Like that stuff is that's like a real but orange oil. Yeah. We it, buy it on Amazon. It's really great. If you use it, it cleans like everything. Yeah, not the stuff they have at Home Depot. That's not as strong. Although it's not that bad. And But like this stuff is like. Bam. I mean, it CJ cleans. wrote with a Expo marker on something that he thought was going to erase, um, and it didn't, but it came right off with orange I wrote it on the kitchen cabinets. 
the old ones. Thought it was cute. That are now in his shed. Anyway. Didn't work. (laughs) Well, we went all kinds of crazy on that one. I I thought we were talking bathroom. What you got? (laughs) Could be. Um, I don't know yet. Keep talking. Um, I gotta find something. Oh, Jordan is in there. She's next. Jordan, you want to? She's ready. I saw her All smile. Right. She's so cute. You got to make sure. You, you never know. I mean, someone could be like, I just start blowing my nose and then you bring him in. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. I'm glad you had a break this summer. I uh, did. I'm, and I'm not done. I'm like full break mode. This. I mean, I'm working. I only work till 12 or 1 every day and then that's it. Like then I just call it a day. People forget that we're East Coast though. We're the, you're the last to get out for summer, right? Yeah, like, I know. we didn't finish till always- June 18th. Like I haven't, it hasn't even been a full month yet that I've been off. So, so for the folks that are like starting to go back in August, it's like we're still in oh, I don't get back summer. till Labor Day. So Wow. That's sweet. But, <laughs> yeah. But what's going on, Jordan? Um, I had a question regarding uh field trips so as art galleries are opening up i'm really wanting to take different groups of students but i imagine with um restrictions still in place that these groups if possible are going to have to remain small Mm -hmm. and so uh, i know you talked about field trips a little bit in your book and i just wanted to know how you thought about going about that equitably so keeping groups small like if it if it remains an unofficial field trip, maybe this doesn't matter. Um, but how do you go about choosing different groups of students while keeping it as open as possible, too? So this is such a great question. Um, I almost never, ever, ever do whole class field trips. I think they're a nightmare. It's too many people to to take and it lessens the trip. So I take kids and I, and I never, I almost never base who I pick on grades. It is based on interest and student growth. And so if I think that a kid is actually going to grow from this, even though, look, like I've taken kids on trips, like, and I, in my book, I talk about that story when we went to go meet with Gary Vaynerchuk, like the other teachers in the school were like, yo, you get this once in a lifetime opportunity. Like these are the dudes you're taking. Like these are the guys I was calling about. This is, these are the reason I got, like I even asked the question I asked on the show to get the trip anyway. So it is to me about finding students that you think are going to grow or be stretched by something and kids that are really interested. So I'd rather take a whole bunch of small trips during the school year than take one enormous trip. Plus, you're also then having to include teachers that have no interest in what you're doing too. So if someone's like, oh my God, we're going to the art museum. I'm in charge of 12 kids at the art museum. Can you believe I'm in charge of 12 kids at the art museum? It's like, you have to deal with that. So I only take teachers that are awesome. Um, I teach them about what we're doing before we go. So if we're going to look at graffiti art, if we're going to, to Brooklyn to meet with some people, I make sure they know what's going on in the front end. And then I only pick those kids. And look, I think only being allowed to have small groups at, at certain facilities now anyway is a blessing in disguise because then that's your out. Uh, and, and I tell kids to look like, you know, there are a number of things that, that would impact me not taking kids too. And I let them be known also, if I can't trust you, then I can't bring you, right? That, that doesn't mean you're not going to go on a trip later in the year. Look, we've been having some stuff in class lately. I've been noticing some behaviors and I just don't know that I can like, I, I don't take kids ever that I have to keep an eye on. 
right? Like I, my, my thing is like, if you get lost, whatever, like we'll find you, but like, I don't have to worry that you're like touching a painting or like trying to pick something up or like doing something dumb, um, that you're going to be respectful. You're going to be mindful of where we are and, and knowing that they're still kids. I mean, someone's always going to do something knuckleheadish, but that, I think that's more age and development uh, related, but like it is creating those things. And then, then the other thing is you try to make your trip so great that when they come back, everybody wants to go on the trip next time. So now you have leverage and things you can bribe children with and be like, yo, look, if you get, if you do really well on this test, or if I, if you like, um, you know, your participation has been better, um, keep doing that. Cause I want to take you on this next trip at this great trip. And then we go to like rest, good restaurants. When we go on trips all the time, we like eat at good spots. We, I always add something extra on that's like behind those. So like the Philadelphia art museum, that whole area is really cool. So it's like when we're there, it's like, we're also going to go to the Azalea garden in the back and go to boathouse row and check out this other secret space that I know that has good graffiti, like near the art museum. Um, so it's like a, it's an event instead of just this one thing we're going to do. And that builds anticipation too. But yeah, never whole group ever. It's a nightmare. <laughs> That's kind of refreshing to hear. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So I get that from Rafe Esquith, man. Uh, Rafe Esquith has a book called, uh, oh snap. It's not, it's not Teach Like Your Hair's on Fire. It's his first book. I don't know. If you look up Rafe Esquith's first book, um, he has a whole thing on there about how he does class trips and his are like next, next level, like right. stuff. So yeah. Thanks for that tip. You got it. Thanks. All right. Well, I hope the rest of your summer is great. Hey, you too. All right. Love we'll it. talk to you soon. Bye, Jordan. Bye. Bye Jordan. Awesome. Okay. Our next question. That's a good question. I love class trips. I don't know how to say this name. Do you? I'm going to go with Francis. Do it. Francis, how do you prepare for a year when you're not entirely sure uh, what your tests will be? Well, welcome to my current year that I'm going into this year. <laughs> I have no idea. So with all new admin, I'm not really sure. Um, I just choose as best I can to look. I, I think, think you prepare for you. I prepare me for anything. Right. It's like, I don't know what's going on this year. I don't know what kids I'm going to get. I don't know what classes really I'm going to get. We were in talking the other day. Like there's a, like with all new admin, maybe they move my room this year. I have no idea. Right. And so like, which is like a crazy concept to me that like, because I'm just going to do all this to another room anyway. So it's like, I don't know how many rooms uh, like you want me to annihilate and look like, you know, hip hop Hogwarts in there, but it is, um, the but i don't know every year so my head either goes to um oh my gosh what if i get what if this happens this year what if they bring back lunch duty this year what if i have to do lunch duty every day i hate lunch duty i hate the idea of it what if i have to co-teach with oh gosh what if they put me with this person um what if i what if they changed my grade level what if they decided i had to what if they took away my elective and they put me in some kind of whack elective that I had to teach, right? There's all these things that can run through your head, especially during the summer. Um, and I think, I think some of that is like in, in my reading for that is like your brain trying to think of the worst case scenario so that you can prepare for it. Um, but I think that we get what we prepare for. So if I instead 
stop. I literally stop myself from doing this. I literally snap my fingers when, when my head starts going to places I don't want it to go. Right. Whether that is, and I, as a parent, my head goes to some pretty weird places sometimes like, Oh, the kids are riding their bikes to the swim club. What if they, I hope they look at that stop sign there. Oh, they rarely look at that. What if they got hit by a car? What if someone got hit by a car? What if I got a call and I had to go to the hospital because someone got hit by a car and now I got to go, or like, you know, there's so much dumb stuff that goes through my head. I snap my fingers and go, stop it. Because there's no evidence that that is, uh, is going to happen, right? So someone said in a, in a thing I was in yesterday, fear is an acronym, uh, meaning false evidence appearing real. Fear is an acronym, meaning false evidence appearing real. And so I could instead fill my head with like, look, these are new opportunities. What if I, how, what if I grow from something new this year? What if something is, what if it's awesome this year? What if it's great this year? And I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm just deciding what to focus on before the school year starts. And then remembering that even before I came on here today, I started feeling anxious um, cause I, I haven't been at it and I, and I, it's been, we've been off for like a month or something like that. But then I remember, remind myself, no, like anxiety feels crazily similar. I think I just made that. That's a new term. Crazily similar. Or I'm not even sure that crazily is a word, but I may have just invented it. <laughs> crazily similar to excitement. Um, that when you are in a roller coaster and you're going up, are you scared? Or are you excited? Or are you both? And so I think that's some of it. And then um, just knowing that it works out. It always works out. I have been in some horrific situations as a teacher, as a parent, as a human being. And, you know, this is way easier said than done because there's a damn good chance I'm going to get off this call today. And I'm going to go worry about something. But like everything has always worked out and not the way that I want. Um, and I mean, I mean, I'm talking like I've been through like some family deaths and family crises and stuff like that. Like, but in the long run, things work out. And so I just have to keep reminding myself of that instead of feeling, instead of feeding into that false evidence that appears real. I found out the spelling. Uh, it's Hypatia. Thank you. They, oh. they put it in there uh, phonetically. Wait. Yes. I think, did we talk on Instagram the other day or send them a message or something like that? I had to Google it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, they also said that they are um, yeah, second, uh, subject matter is ESL, probably secondary one, which is grade seven, or secondary four, grade 10. Love. Oh, that's way, that's two way two different things. Different. Oh, my goodness. So how do you prepare for that, right? Like, that's... Um, you take it a unit at a time. You break your unit. I break my units into five weeks. And then I reverse engineer. What do I need them to know? How am I going to get there? And then how I teach seventh grade, grade you're, you're doesn't matter. Oh. If I'm teaching seventh grade, if I'm teaching 12th grade, the, the outline is the same as to how I'm going to get from here to there. It's the way that I direct them, right? So like if we have to go from here to Mount Laurel or from here to Atlantic City, like it's like, all right, well, that's where I have to go. How, what's the best way to get there? Gotcha. And so what's the best way to get there with these kids versus those kids? And then what are all the mile markers that I have to hit? Right. So like, it's still read in, in, in I think in English guys, it's reading, writing, speaking, um, and work and group work. Right. So like, these are the things that we're constantly trying to, to work on, whether you're in seventh grade or 12th grade. Hmm. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. 
Um, that was for you. Thanks. I feel it's there because I have to find a question. Uh, well, like singing a song or what? No. Um, I will tell people this. Look, I'm really, really making a concerted effort this year to do a number of things. Like one, um, creating social media posts. In the summer, it's more like me duct taping an umbrella to my daughter's bike, which is just funny to me. But it's trying to create content that is going to help people. That's going to help people be the teachers that they are called to be. And what that means is that um, it is providing ideas, inspirations, things of that nature that are going to help people to get excited. So one of the ways we do that is by social media. The other way that we do that is by our Facebook group, Teacher Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk, which is a free, um, it is a free Facebook group that is 95% awesome. Every once in a while, there's some loony stuff that happens in there. There's someone who gets their feelings hurt. There's someone that hurts someone's feelings. There's someone that's a little bit raw. There's someone that's, you know, fishing. Um, but for the most part, it's a really, really wonderful group. And then um, everything else is on realrapwithreynolds.com. It's trying to find things. I'm constantly on the search for things that are going to help people or using our newsletter. Uh, can I do this at the same time? Look, we made this really great newsletter thing. Um, if you go on realrapwithreynolds.com, you can sign up for our newsletter. And that is just going to help you. Uh, it's, it's, it's Stay connected it's to just, everything. It's It'll fun get... stuff. It's, it's me trying to provide content but it's also like what am i thinking about this month what am i looking into what am i reading how am i trying to become a better person because i think that part of becoming a better teacher is not just working on your pedagogy it's working on yourself you're like the best teachers are the people that have the most confidence that feel a level of swagger when you walk into the classroom because you know you got this and that is um something that only comes by really working on yourself too um i have a question i'm not sure if i see another one can you take that camera down? Oh, I can. My dear. Um, they're asking, I want to do a, se a session shortly before our summer break on social issues and popular media. So my students hopefully will be a bit more aware of the music they consume during summer. They had a one. I don't see a follow-up. So can you speak to that? Uh, so wait. Put, can... Oh, did I take it down? Sorry. Yeah. Do it's back um, It's on your screen. So, oh, I don't know how to write that, but. I was going to yeah. say you could do the control F, John. Um, I mean, it was actually for our summer break on social issues and popular media. So this is a great question. Um, I did a unit last year, year before. I don't know. Everything blends together. So like at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, there were riots happening in Philly. There were protests happening in Philly. There was a shooting that happened in Philly. Um, uh, police shooting young unarmed black man like there so this was like we were we we're like living in the middle of what was happening on the news and so whenever that happens whether it's the capitol building whether it's me too whether it's bill cosby like whatever's happening in popular culture i know my students are consuming this but i know they're consuming it i don't know that they have an outlet for it so i think for me it's always trying to help students like like when, I, when we talk about this stuff it's not as much about me teaching as as me facilitating right and me helping students unpack their thoughts and feelings about what's happening because i don't think that people are asking young folks this all the time so it's creating that safe space to have these conversations and to bring these things up so that you know to be honest like when really heavy things happen in the news 
Uh, the question I get all the time is like, how do I bring this up in class tomorrow? How do I, how do I approach this? How are you going to approach this? And it's like, yeah, we always do, but we always were. So when you create the culture in your class where we're constantly talking about things and look, sometimes kids really want to talk about it. Sometimes they don't like when the Capitol building uh, was taken over last year or last school year, um, you know, my students were kind of exhausted by all that had been happening in the news. Like they just like didn't really want to talk about, plus we were on zoom. So that's, you know, a different animal too. But like, um, but when you're constantly talking about what's happening in popular culture, then uh, you are able to one, help kids unpack what they're thinking and also reminding students that they have a voice and their voice is important. And this is one of the greatest gifts we can give to young people because I think that, you know, I've said this many, many times. One of my favorite, um, one of my favorite poets is this guy, Nis Mojgani, who has this really great poem. It's worth looking up called Direct Orders. And there's a line in that poem that says, this poem is for those that are told speak when spoken to and then are never spoken to. And I think that is young folks so often where they are just not asked what they think or feel and then, or, or what they think or feel is invalidated or they're not told that it's important um, or there's no pushback. Right. Like, so let me like you want to say some stuff in my class. I'm going to push back, but it's because I want you to dig deeper. Um, I want you to really find your voice. So we did a lesson this year in response to Black Lives Matter or because of Black Lives Matter um, around hip hop being used as protest. And so how music in culture has been used for protest for ages. Right. Everything from Crosby, Stills, Nash and, Nash and Young to uh, Bruce Springsteen, but then Public Enemy, but then, um, you know, like Lil Uzi or like uh, J. Cole or like all these contem contemporary hip hop artists that my students love and how are they using their voice to spread the word, to get people to care, to um, elevate the voice of, of their community. And so I think music does that uh, faster than anything else like so like when i think of like ohio by crosby stills nash and young i'm i'm pretty sure that song was like locked and loaded in a week um marvin gaze what's going on one of the greatest uh songs let alone r&b songs of all time i'm fairly sure that was written in very short order like in a week and produced and if you go back and listen to that song there's so many layers so it's so brilliant but like and people loved it like folks were like jam into that song like making babies to that song and like they but but like did they even get like what they were listening to so i think that doing something along those lines is great but remember that you don't have to you don't have to bring as much to it as you think it's a lot about presenting something and like what does everybody think about this like well what about this and like asking leading questions to pull kids out but then facilitating that conversation and it is the, it is the jam it's one of the best things you can do in your classroom all right, next question is coming from Sage. Do Field it. trip and on. How do you inform students chosen and not chosen? How soon before the trip? So it depends on the trip. So like sometimes I will hit people. So I love hitting people up on Instagram. I've talked about this before. Um, I give the whole link, like the whole description of my book of how I go about this. But like basically looking for people that I want, hitting them up on Instagram. Um, sometimes people are like, Oh, I can come to your class or I can come to your school or I can do this tomorrow. Uh, or can you be here next week? And it's like, okay, now I need to like move quickly. Um, 
but I'm already, whenever I reach out to someone, I have that in mind, right? Like, is a, do I have a basic permission slip that I'm just changing some things in, but like the core of it's there, so that's ready. I'm not writing up a whole new thing. Um, do I know the guy that does, like, I know the guy that does the buses in my school really well. He'd give me a bus in an hour if I wanted to. Do I know who I'm going to ask to get permission? Because I don't just ask. You don't just go to the, you know, I, I know, look, there's certain people you're supposed to ask before you go on a trip. I ask the people that are probably going to say yes. I don't ask the people I'm supposed to ask all the time because I want to hear yes more than I want to hear we got a meeting about it or something like that. Um, and then I literally look at my seating chart <clears throat> and I circle all the kids that I think would be a good fit for this. And I X out all the kids that are a total no way, right? So maybe someone's been in a lot of fights lately. Maybe someone's completely uninterested in whatever we're going to see. So if we're going to an art museum, if we're going to a pop-up shop, if we're going to study graffiti, if we're meeting with some dancers, if we're going to meet with entrepreneurs, and I know that they're just not a fit or they're not ready for this yet, I just X them out, right? It's no no hate to them. Like they're, they have the opportunity to, to win in the future. Um, but and then I circle all the kids that I think I'm going to take. And then I then I, I have to pare it down. So I have a number in my mind. Um, and that number can change. So if I'm going to Princeton University, I usually take about 20 to 25 students with me there. But then I start highlighting like the kids that I'm that I like if we had to really pare it down, like who am I going to take? Like who are my I start with the no duh, these kids are gone. Like there's not a chance. Like, so my guy, DJ Dirty Kev, who's even on the front of the book, this guy right here, one everywhere, every time with me always. Um, and so, cause he got it, like Kev got it. And so Kev went everywhere with me. So like Kev's of course going to go. Uh, this other dude on your hugs, always going to go. He's always invited. So you're picking those kids and then you're picking who are the next level. And then you're thinking about the handful of students that are that never get picked that anybody else would look at that list and go well you're not taking that right like you're not going to take that kid they're a total pain in your ass or you know we never know what they're going to do i love taking those kids because those are the kids that it's really for those are the kids that can get like have an awakening on a trip um and so you're looking at the handful of them that are a little bit tricky and then having that conversation bro you never go on class trips. You're in trouble all the time. I want you to know that I don't even care that I'm taking you on this trip because I think, or, or not even telling them that, just saying, listen, I have, I want to talk to you about something. Um, we've never been on a trip before together, but I want you to go on this trip because I think you're going to love it. I think this trip is, is uniquely suited to you. And so here are some things you need to know on the front end, um, but I'm really excited that you get to go with us on this particular trip. And I, I think having that conversation with students shifts things in their minds so that they are now, they don't want to disappoint. They don't want to act a fool. And if they do, guess what? Like you don't get to go on another trip again and whatever. Um, like it didn't hurt my feelings, but it is creating that space where like, like I've taken kids on trips before that they're like, what? Like me, like I get to go. And it's like, of course, of course you get to go. Like that's not even a question. And this isn't even a favor. Like, so, yeah. Let me ask you a question because I ask feel like question. everybody is thinking this. Um, someone said in Germany, that's really hard to do. It's all or none. Like that concept of taking some yeah. is, is really rare. 
Um, and then someone said public school, everybody goes on the field trip. Like that's how public school works. Look at our kids. It was like the whole grade. It wasn't even just a class did anything special. Um, they just did grade class trips and then that was it. That's all they did. They never went for so the classroom or the That subject. requires a little unpacking. So my question would be why? Is it an equitable thing? Is it like it's this is fair? Because it's not. It's it's a terrible idea. Um, is it so a you would coverage push back thing? I, I would push back, but I would push back in a thoughtful way. Sure. Because if for me, right, like, like we always say, education is only ever about the students. So for only thinking about the students, but we know that some kids are not a fit for this. We know that that's incredibly limiting the number of places that you can go now because you have to take 120, 200, however many kids, even if it's 50 kids on a trip, it's a lot of freaking kids. It's mm -hmm. more than one bus. So it is maybe then working with your team in school and creating class trips on the front end, like in the beginning of the year, working with your, if so if I'm in the ninth grade, how are we making this year exceptional? Let's let these trips be a part of it. How can we all go somewhere, but like, we're not all together. Like, can we mm. keep that still that sense of small trips and then to the best of your ability, creating unique, um, groups for kids where they're not picking their own groups and stuff like that but they are working with a teacher that's best suited for them with another group of students that's best suited for them so like you know i feel like when you and i would go on marley's trips we always got the most well i liked in my head when you students. talked about the group i always got the biggest group and i always got the kids that, that no one else wanted always. adhd like someone talked like a dog one year and refused and so i just talked like a dog back to him and we like communicate like it was just really fun yeah. and i had the yeah. crazy group and always the biggest group on field trips <laughs> and so i wonder also like are there after school field trips you can so it's like that, then it goes there right but i'm not that guy like like can you do after school field trips that are different? No, public um, school is not going to let you do after school field trips. I know. I, I, I think that here's what it comes down to, though. It, it is not just not doing it because public school doesn't do that um, or your particular school doesn't do that. It is asking why mm -hmm. and then try, like having the conversation. You don't just take no for an answer. Well, that's what I always like say. Ever. You don't take the, the crap that people just want to shovel to you. You, you don't go, eat the crap. You go like this. Uh, oh, we have to take all the kids on trip? That's interesting. Do you have a sense of why? Like, why do we have to do that? Um, you know, oh, because it's fair for everyone. Yeah, but if we know that it's not going to work for Like, I'm just yeah. asking, right? I'm just, I'm just curious. Uh, if we know that it's not going to work for all children, then why, do we, why would we do that? Um, or, like, so you're... You're having that conversation and helping someone to see the light so that you yeah. can do what's right for kids. So you can get them to um, your decision. To what yes, you want. yes. I'm willing it down. Essentially. Or, you know, th th but that's why I started taking, like, in the book also, I have this whole story where I talk about this thing I used to do called not so, no. Super uh, secret. Super secret class trips, which I do not advise, right? And I'm, I'm here on here saying, do not go do this. But it was me saying, hey, look, there's an art show in Old City, Philadelphia tonight. I'm going to be at this art gallery at seven o'clock. If you're at the art gallery and I'm at the art gallery at seven o'clock, I ain't going really to take you anywhere. We just happen to be at the same place, same time. And then we're on the same trip or I'll be at this. I'll be at the, the picking up the G on Cedar Avenue today. Uh, the, the G bus. Um, if you're getting the G bus at seven o'clock and I get the G bus and we go on the same bus at the same place at the same time, I ain't really take you anywhere. We just <laughs> happen to be in the same space, same time. Okay. Um, Let's move I don't on. recommend that. 
but it was like, but it's starting with that sort of creative mind to figure out like what you can do. Agreed. Okay, let's get a few more in there because we do need to end. Got it. Um, Teresa is asking U.S. History one question: Best way to teach students to write essays and encourage students to read. So I think let's start with um, start with why Simon Sinek. Um, every single thing that you have to teach students how to do or that you want them to learn, you have to start with why. You have to tell them why they're doing something in a real way. It cannot be because next year you have this or because this is on the final or because in college you're going to have to do this. Co college is a little bit different, but it's like you, like learning a five paragraph essay is helping you to find your voice, right? It's a prescriptive way. It is a way that is measurable for us to help you find your voice. Can you hook someone in? Can you have a clear reason as to why you are writing something or why you feel some way? What do you feel about it? And then finding things to back it up, right? You can't just say Kobe Bryant's the best basketball player of all time. And then some other kids goes, nah, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's the best basketball player of all time. No, LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time. It's like, bro, back it up. Like, look, can we look at records? Can we look at someone's game? Can we look at game tape? Can we talk about coverage? And like, and this is, this is from someone that doesn't even watch sports. Like it is, it is about helping students have a very clear vision, the deepest version as to why this is important. Reading is the same thing. I think encouraging children to read is helping kids to know that like reading a book is like, it's like being in a, in a time machine it is finding like one of my favorite lines from a song um is says i want to listen to some sounds that recognize the pain in me and i love that idea because when we listen to music we are often trying to either elevate our mood or 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 uh how do i want to say this like find our mood and what someone else is thinking so i have playlists that when i'm bummed when I'm feeling like when when I need to go through a, a moment of depression and, I, and it's not something I want to push away, something sad is happening, there's playlists for that. When I'm trying to get hype, there's playlists for that. There's books for that too. There are books that I read to fill up, books I read to get excited, books I read and, and interviews I listen to and podcasts I listen to and, and articles that I read over and over again because I'm trying to get into a certain space and books have that ability, but but on a deeper version than any song ever will and any movie ever will because it's it's different than that because there's no hurry on a book. Then I think you talk about what you're reading all the time. Reading is the thing. You love reading. It is your favorite and you love these books and you have pictures of them in your room. And yo, before we get started today, I got to tell everyone real quick, I'm reading this book and it's friggin' awesome. Listen to this sentence. Listen to the way this guy put this or listen to this funny moment or um, – it's about this guy that does this thing and goes to this place and this crazy thing happens. And then like, it is part of the culture. And then someone saying, yo, can I borrow that book? And you're done hundred percent, bro, when I'm done, I'm going to give it to you. And then giving it to them. And then like being real excited about it, ordering books for your kids. If you have the capacity to do that, having your room filled with books and then facing those books out like this, right? Not like this, but like this, because that's how I think, um, things are marketed better, right? You never see sneakers in a line like this, right? Uh, you see sneakers like this because you want the kids to see the artwork, the beauty that was created on the cover of something, just like you would on, on a sneaker. And when you go to the young adult section at any bookstore, all the books, the like the ones that are really trying to sell are faced out all the time. And so 
that's what you're trying to you're you're trying to like get kids excited about that too. Okay. Anything else? Uh, yeah, just like two more. Cool. Lauren's asking, I'm getting my BA in English slash ELL and starting classes for the reading endorsement in fall. I've been warned. I won't be prepared since I don't have ed classes under my belt. Any advice for preparing? Oh, Lauren. Um, I would say, gosh, there's so much stuff I can tell you. Um, <laughs> I would say, look, so YouTube, I'm going to say this. I'm, I, I, hold on. This is a big question. I'm trying to set you on the best path possible um, and try not to say too much. Um, I, Because I, that other thing we talked about earlier with the reason I don't talk about, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be on the low. Um, okay. I would say, one, reading. I think, look, gosh, I, I'm just going to put myself on blast for a second. All the content that we create is meant to help teachers be the teachers they are called to be. But it's also stuff that I wish existed when I started teaching. So my YouTube channel, uh, my book, the Facebook group, these are all things I wish existed before I started teaching. So I would, um, I'm gonna say my book is a good resource for that. I'm gonna also say that not just my book, but um, Teach Like a Pirate by Dave Burgess is a really great book to get started with. Um, and I think uh, anything by Rafe Esquith, but also um, anything by Father Gregory Boyle, right? These are folks that are the OGs to the channel. I've heard me talk about this a million times. Um, but that's that's where I would start. Uh, YouTube can be a really great resource. It's important on YouTube to one not compare, right? We're not all we're not all in the same race. We're not all doing the same exact thing. So it's very easy to start comparing because what a lot of folks on YouTube are doing is that, and on Instagram and, and beyond they are showing you their greatest hits. And so you can't take your, you know, if you have a, your new self-produced album that you came out with and you want to hold it up to like, Oh, but then I, I listened to like the greatest hits of Prince. It's like, it's not going to match, right? Like you're just, you're not there yet. So it is taking what they're saying and seeing if it can integrate into what you're doing. There is no one way. There is no silver bullet in the classroom. There, it's like school can be done so many different ways. And so for you in this first year, it's about trying, seeing what works. And when it doesn't, pivoting and trying something different and knowing that like I'm always trying to hurry up to get to fit the point of failure, right? So like if this is going to fail, I want to fail fast so I can pivot and change it and not waste a whole bunch of time on it. Um, but I think that, so YouTube, it's like, being mindful of some of the things and some of the people I would say, like, um, I mean, I don't, I, I hasten to give a list cause I don't really know everyone that's on YouTube anymore. We don't. Um, but they, uh, but like, that's, that's some of, of like, there's like too cool for middle school has a really great channel. Um, smarty style. Latonya has a really great channel. Um, and th those are good places to start, but it's, it's about being careful. Cause also some people have taught for five minutes and they, act like they've been teaching for 50 years and, and so it's tricky um but then look the other thing is like it it is this learning how to educate in a classroom 
fuck, I, I just think it's like learning how to swim in a classroom. You can learn all this stuff, but first year teachers, the, the one thing you have in common is they've never done it. Like when I say teaching is like teaching your first year, teaching and learning how to teach in college is like learning how to swim in a classroom means like you've studied the molecular properties of water and what to do theoretically if someone drowns, how you should move your arms and you watch diagrams and PowerPoints and videos on how you should interact with water, but you've never been in water. And then teaching for everybody is like getting your ass kicked off the high dive and like you fall in the water and it's game on all of a sudden. You're like, wait, all right, trying to make sense of all this stuff. It's trying just have the most amount of fun that you can have with it um, because that's going to keep you going and then not worrying about failing. Like just keep pivoting. And in my book, I do talk a lot about that. Then the other thing I, I will say, I'll let the cat out of the bag for this one thing. Um, we are planning this year. The need, So the channel's all, all about helping teachers do the best that they can. What we are working on in the very near future and then going forward is creating courses for educators to become the teachers that they are called to be, right? So like creating courses around certain topics that are gonna be super deep into the how and the why of the way that I do things in class to really on a level where like people could walk into their class, implement this to the to a T and I, I guarantee that it works. I guarantee you see results. Now look, like, I don't know, like, I'm not necessarily trying to teach people to be me, but I'm saying like, look on some real level, like these are things that work for me, tried and true every year, no fail. How can I teach people the systematic approach to, a, to how to start the school year, to how to handle classroom management, to how to build relationships with students, to how to deal with toxic teachers, but like on some real super level stuff that um, those courses, um, instead of just YouTube videos, can be like so next level to YouTube videos that I want to create for this coming year that are really going to help people that um, like, this is stuff maybe you learned about in high school, but like the implementation wasn't really there and now it is. And you're the like, why behind it. I feel yeah. like that's the biggest thing. And the realness behind it. Like, yeah. no, here's how, like I really do classroom management yeah. and I don't do anything that like nothing I was taught in college prepared me for how to really do classroom management or how to really build relationships or the pitfalls of relationships, stuff like that. So that's all coming this year too. Wow, that was really loud. In that <laughs> okay, our last question. Last one for today. Coming from Jacob. He said, I talked with my high school principal about teaching a new elective called comic book literature. He loved the idea, but asked that I make an outline of the class for the board approval. Any tips? Thank you. Yeah, so this, first of all, this is Great awesome. Idea. Great idea. Fun. I love it. Um, I would say start with what they're going to think is important, right? So don't start with fun. You start with what are the things. So I teach through comic books every year. Um, teach through, uh, and so one of one of the the best ways. So first of all, teach through what they want you to hit on, right? So like, are you talking about what what things in history, in literature, in civics, in um, in art? Like, what things are important that are a part of your school curriculum already? And what need is learning through comic books going to meet, right? So like when I teach the history of hip hop, that always like, I have tons of teachers when I speak at schools that are like, I'd never be allowed to do that. I'm like, yeah, because you got to pitch it the right way. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm trying to have this 
class that's multifaceted, that's going to hit all these pieces, that's going to actually um, extenuate, extenuate, or, or not, that's even right, like, uh, forgetting, I'm getting too excited. Um, it's going to just benefit the things that are already happening in school, but on another level. Like we're talking about imagery on another level, symbolism on another level, word choice when you're talking about hip hop on another level, breaking things down, breaking down beats and rhymes and patterns and um, and all these different pieces. We're, it is talking about like being socially conscious and and finding your voice and having small group conversation and building community and bringing in voices from outside. It's building on STEM. It's all these different things we're doing in this one class. And so it's going to enhance is the word I was looking for all of these other pieces that are already happening. And then it's going to happen in this really magical way because we're going to meet kids where they are. We're going to hook them by talking about something they're already interested in, which is comic books because Marvel movies are the, are the most popular series of all time so let's meet kids there where their attention already is and then teach them all these things that they don't even know they're unsubconsciously learning about through comic books and through movies like marvel is putting out anyway so that's what i would do first and then i would look up um like some some comic books and some graphic novels online that people are already teaching and how they're already doing this so like we read persepolis every year or you could look at something like there's a lot of stuff out there for V for Vendetta. So even if those aren't the um, th those aren't the books that you're teaching, you're pulling from those ideas of it. How are people already teaching through graphic novels and comic books already? Um, and then how can you take some of that stuff and implement it into your doing what you're doing? Um, so I think that it's what markers do you want to hit? How are other people already doing it? And then what comic books are going to be the biggest hit? So you pick whatever you're going to pick and then revert, like figure out a way to, to marry those things together. And then that's a good start. And then you go from there. Um, that's a great idea though. It makes me excited. We done? We're done. Cool. All right, folks, before you get out of here, look, it's an hour and a half uh, on our, on our, our first episode um, of season five's episode, like 147. We've been doing this for the last five years. So look, um, that's it for this week. If you're catching this not on the live, please know that if you want to be a part of the live, we're here every week on Sunday, Eastern Standard Time at 1 p.m. You can watch it on Facebook or you can watch it on YouTube. Um, but if you want to be a part of the action, you can jump on and, and, and do it then. Um, and then look, uh, there's a lot of ways that we're supporting teachers, but the best way to, that you can find the stuff that we're doing is just by going to realwrapwithreynolds.com. You can find out about mentoring there and the book and merch and resources and all that stuff. Um, and then the other thing is my book. If you want to grab the book, you can go to teacherclassoff.com or go right to Amazon and get it. Uh, and if your school is interested in the book, we uh, th there's a deal for like, I think it's like 10 or more books that are purchased uh, by anyone. You can get a special deal. So just hit me up, realwrapwithreynolds at gmail.com. I'd be happy to help you out with anything that I can. Um, and that's it, gang. I hope that you have the most wonderful week. And uh, we'll see you here next week. Peace.